to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, gosh, that was a lot of fun. We're going to recap another day of Dolphins camp, Tampa style, day 12 is in the books. The first of two joint practice weeks is in the books, the Eagles before week three, and we're detailing the big plays, the standout performances, and all the media avails, including Coach McDaniel, Teron Armstead, Javon Holland, Tyreek Hill, and Austin Jackson from Tampa, not the Bay. This is the Drive Time Podcast. No lead in today, but I did get confirmation from at Kyle the Commish on the cat story on Twitter yesterday. And Kyle, I apologize for assuming you were a Buccaneers fan, but the football was so good that we're just going to stay in that lane. But first, we hear from Mike McDaniel, who once again gave us some insight into his thinking and the operation of this football team as a whole. Let's go ahead and get this thing started here with a little bit of commentary on the decision to play guys versus not play guys in the preseason. And I just keep going back to this comment he's used about being present and not getting too far ahead of himself because as someone who has a million thoughts a minute and has to actively work to compartmentalize those thoughts, I'm curious how he goes about accomplishing that. I mean, he clearly does accomplish that, but I want to know how. Perhaps a future presser question. Let's go ahead and hear from Coach McDaniel on the thought process behind whether or not Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa plays in the preseason opener on Saturday night. I think it's important not to get ahead of yourself. You talk about being deliberate and present every day at practice. Um, so every practice, I, I try not to get ahead of myself. Um, I will say that based off of the last couple practices, um, I'm encouraged about the idea of not playing him. Um, but again... That, uh, that remains to be seen from what happens today. Um, and again, that's not, that has nothing to do with um, bottom line results offensively. It's more how, he's, um, how prepared he is at practice, how he's, uh, you know, I just want to continue to build off what he's been building on. So um, all of those things, uh, you know, there's c- certain players that um, I feel pretty confident might not play, but I, I do not get ahead of myself. I did uh, talk to the team this morning about it. Um, and as far as they're concerned, everybody's expected to be prepared to play, but there'll certainly be players that don't, um, which today will have a good impact on. And he was also asked about the balance of risk slash potential benefit of playing guys in the games. And in regards to the quarterback, you know, he mentioned wearing the red jersey means you can't get hit and taking that red jersey away means that you can get hit. And then in football, there's a lot of risk, but you just weigh that on a case by case basis. Not an exact science, he said. And the natural follow up to that first part of coach saying that he's encouraged by the idea of not playing Tua was... Will we see Tua at all this preseason? To which coach said he'd be surprised if at some point we didn't get that done before the season starts. But again, reiterated the point I touched on earlier, getting ahead of yourself can allow you to create reasons to fit 
what your agenda is and how perfect is that to come out and say and to think that way because I think we all can be conditioned to try to you know, use confirmation bias opposed to hypotheses and then proving right or wrong our theories. This guy just continues to hit the notes in terms of understanding not just football, but to me, like life and general, you know, common sense ideas that maybe aren't so common. But here's Coach now on what he saw from his team on the first day of joint practices. I was pumped about um, how they went about it. There were, like I kind of articulated before, there's, um, there's, adjustments that have to be made by techniques of the opposing players on both sides of the ball. Um, what I saw were people that were prepared for that, um, which means that them and their coaches have isolated, watched, um, and digested um, from a position-specific element that, okay, we can, we can do that. I also, um, you know, I, I, was, I was pumped how they, they played – um, they played for each other, I thought. There, there was some really good work. And one of my favorite parts about it is that there's no score kept, so guys can really pay attention to the bottom line. Sometimes, ironically, um, you know, we get paid to win, um, and you're trying to win every game, but lost in the black and white win and loss um, are the opportunities to get better joint practices that doesn't occur it's just like straight in front of you so then um that's what makes day two so exciting for me is to see how they handle those adjustments that that is such an evaluation and i um and i know that good teams that i've been on um the collection of players make the necessary adjustments um to uh to the and that's really what we're working on for the whole season We'll talk some offensive line play today, and this is a great way to lead us into it. Coach, on what he's seen so far from his offensive line so far in training camp. So far, so far. I, I know a standard with which uh, I, I've historically thought things should go. Um, when you're playing good defensive players, um, you know, it doesn't always go the way it should. I think, um, you know, like I've said before, it that doesn't surprise me, um, but, you know, the... It may surprise other other people, but those that's probably why I wasn't as concerned as everyone else um, before we we got to this point in the off season. Um, there's some guys uh, that are really you know they're they're being coached well and they're passionately going about their business, trying to be um, uh, trying to make footing in the league at their position. So um, it didn't surprise me. I, I was pleased with it, um, but again, um, there are there were several plays that, man, if we had um, performed with our proper technique, the X, Y, or Z might have happened. So now it's just a great opportunity to watch guys um, take what they had from yesterday and um, apply it moving forward and hopefully see um, improvement and um, as well as new ways to get better um, throughout their practice. We're going to come back to Austin Jackson and Teron Armstead later in this podcast and talk a little bit about that with those guys and Austin Jackson saying some really, really encouraging things after practice on Thursday. Let's go next here to this question for Coach about Joe Shad told me he was going to ask it beforehand. It's like, cool, I'll get a chance to, to listen to what he says and hopefully put it in the podcast. He was asked about 
going from being the eye in the sky up in the box as an OC to on the field. And coach talked about his career, where he's been, what he might do with this year's staff and a big nod to Frank Smith here about being a guy that uh, can really help him provide that equitable information, as he says, on a down in down out basis. Here's coach McDaniel on playing or coaching from the box, coaching from the sideline, his plan this year. So uh, it was probably evenly distributed. Um, the beginning of my career, um, I majored uh, being in the box. Then from, I want to say, 2012, 2012 or 13 to 2017, I was on the field. Then I went back to the box. Um, so I'm used to both, understand the values of both. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that is important for um, a, a, an efficient quality game day process is that you have, you have other people to lean on. Um, there's going to be, uh, I think it's five, four or five offensive coaches um, upstairs that um, with, with each of them having a given expertise that they're focused on, um, and on the headset, you're probably going to hear, you know, Frank Smith will probably talk to me the most, but um, we'll be resourcing everyone um, for uh, tangible, equitable information um, on a down and down out basis. Saving the best for last here. Here he is talk, or he's asked, I should say, about Xavier Howard and the leadership role that he thinks X has taken on with this Dolphins defensive backfield, with this Dolphins defense, with this Dolphins team. And I think this right here is just a great explanation of what great players putting in a lot of hard work and kind of being that tone setter can do for your football team, like Tyreek on offense, Xavier Howard on defense. I had never met X before I got this job, and um, and I. You know, we we played against him once or twice, um, but it it didn't take me long being here to understand um, what he means to the rest of the players. You know, there's there's something to be said about when you do something at, at an elite level, you get notoriety from it, and then you continue to do it. People don't really do that justice where they don't have the option to show up and you know maybe I don't feel like being good today. So um, I think I, I think he he possesses that. I think one of the interesting things is he I think he plays off Tyreek as well. Um, two great competitors that um, that are prideful that know that every day they they can't afford to be eh, I'm just not on, and because of the consequences and the ramifications for the rest of the team and what we count on them to do. Um, on a day-in, day-out basis. I can't help but kind of chuckle about how much easier Coach McDaniel makes my job. I mean, these answers, he he helps me explain the things that are so esoteric in a way that makes total sense, I think, to not just the avid fan, but the casual fan. So appreciate that from Coach. I know I'm not alone in my fascination. Of the 15 minutes we get before practices to pick his brain, it's it's always engaging, it's always informative, and it's such a privilege to have that opportunity, just like it's a privilege to stand out on that field and watch these guys do their thing. Practice notes next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And then a practice broke out. And yesterday I noted that I thought the one-on-ones and some of the seven-on-seven went in favor of the Bucks before the Dolphins kind of took it back in the 11-on-11 work. And today I thought they got it started really from the jump. More on the comprehensive comprehensive notes at the end of this segment. Let's go ahead and start here with the individuals and just start with the quarterback. You know, I could not have been more impressed with with Tua Tungavailoa today. I thought it was the best practice I've seen him have, I, I think, really in three years. I thought he showed a little bit of everything in terms of his skill set and the things you see from quarterbacks that have a lot of success in this league, things that garnered the attention of Tua when he was a collegian into the draft and eventually the fifth pick back in 2020. Let's go ahead and start with this because I think it's the part that's most important to play the position at a high level. Being field level, you get a different view. And the thing that stood out to me with that view the most was how often Tua would start to one side of the field in terms of his eyes, you know, at least his helmet. That's what the defense can see, right? You can't see the eyes all the time. They react to the helmet position. But multiple times I saw him work front side And he didn't just come back to the backside. He would get into his throwing motion simultaneously and get those mechanics aligned as he got his eyes on the target. Like that's, that's high, high level stuff because we always talk about, you know, if you wait to see it and then you throw it, you're too late. You have to anticipate it coming open and throw the football for two to go to progression one, two, three, and then four and get to that part of the read and have the time to make it all happen. If he can do that consistently, you know, the league's going to be in trouble. There were two occasions where he did this and ripped a shot to Mike Gesicki. One was a touchdown. One was a drop pass by Mike in the end zone, which he was beating himself up over, which, you know, he catches that ball nine times out of 10. But I see it as having a, you know, the route concept slash design of the play really burned into the memory to a point that you can decipher what you have happening on the backside when you're blind to it, right? You know, if this then that. If this safety jumps, I have that backside. If he rolls that way, I have this backside. And that's how you win with such consistency in the red zone, right? I mean, I lost track of all the touchdowns the Dolphins offense scored today. I think Tyreek had two. Actually, I know Tyreek had two. I know Jalen had one. Mike had two. And Cedric Wilson had one. That's the minimum. I know for sure that I saw those. It might have been even more. And the ball to Cedric Wilson was a great example of what Tua talked about yesterday when he was asked what Tom Brady and the other top tier quarterbacks do so well. He talked about pocket mobility and those subtle slides within the pocket. And Tua has pressure off his left on this play. He hitches up and fires an absolute seed to Cedric Wilson. And with that pocket movement, you can see the influence it has on the defense. It freezes them for just a beat because you're kind of reading quarterback timing, the hitch, the footwork. And if they kind of go off of that script, 
you then have to be prepared to plaster to the court to the receiver you're covering because it could be a scramble play and all of a sudden you have to get out of structure and go off structure but Tua stepped up and made the throw froze that guy for just a second here comes Cedric Wilson to catch it pluck it get in the end zone check the mobility the pocket mobility I should say check the processor and keep it rolling on a pair of strikes that I thought included you know or I should say best indicated the zip on the football that he throws actually there was three of them the first was a 30-yard anticipation rip where Tua throws to a spot between two Bucks defenders down the field. And here comes Cheetah from, you know, RKO out of nowhere, out of frame, right between the two of them to snatch that thing, one-handed, pluck it, and roll into the end zone. And man, the fans went into a full-fledged frenzy after that. And that was just before a shot to Jalen Waddle between two Bucks defenders where he absorbed some contact, juggled the initial catch, but resecured it for a touchdown. Another very good throw from QB1. And the third throw was in one-on-ones to the far hash, 12 or so yards on the perimeter, you know, 16-yard comeback route, and that thing at 12 yards, right in the breadbasket, right on time. I don't know how you defend that throw when it's that clean, that crisp. Excuse me. Then the other throw, another touchdown to Mike Gesicki to the back pylon, which serves as the over-the-top defender, right? Like you can play with the sideline, the end line as your extra defender, and with enough touch also to layer it up over the top of the underneath corner, and Mike taps the toes, touchdown Dolphins. Finally, one of my favorites, Tua is on the move to his right and is greeted by an unblocked defender who sees Tua see him and reacts by getting his hands up. So Tua plants from an awkward base, an awkward platform, and drops the arm slot down by the hip like a shortstop would throw over to first base to complete a double play with that base runner bearing down on him, and he just slings it to Alec Engel from the hip for a positive play. That was a damn good practice from QB1, and his weapons made sure to make it look that way on their end, and we start with Tyreek and Jalen, and man, they got this thing started early off in one-on-ones. We played that sound from Carlton Davis yesterday, the Bucks cornerback, Today was like substantially more impressive in that period. I did not see a rep of Waddles where he had less than a couple of yards separation. And I love, love, love how he finishes those off by sprinting to the end zone. Like he would shake a man and they would quickly realize the route, the rep was over. Like Waddle had five yards of separation, but he catches it and they stop and he continues rolling into the end zone. He's talked a little bit about how he thinks he can improve his yak this year. He seems determined to run every damn catch he makes all the way home. Cheetah, my goodness, man. Like This was the practice where I just was like, I don't really even have words. I'm going to try to give you words, but I tweeted this early in the day. I heard a Bucks reporter walking by me to the other field after one-on-ones, and he was just kind of muttering like, wow, 10 is unbelievable. Yeah, that's, that's what he was today. That's what he's been all camp. And the routes... It just didn't matter. I'll kill him with guns. I'll kill him with knives. I'll talk him into suicide. It does not matter. He was getting open every single time. It's a Silicon Valley reference, by the way. He had the one-handed pluck touchdown and then weaved his way through some traffic on a quick pass behind the line, a little now route, where he made a move and set up a block by Cedric Wilson, a pancake, by the way, by Cedric. And once he saw where the play was going, he hits the high step and dances into the end zone and runs right into the cheers of the Dolphins fans right in my direction. Really cool moment there at practice. Real quick, I forgot this, but Skylar Thompson had some friggin' rips today, man. I thought his offensive led attack started strong. The Bucks front did get after it late in the day and piled up some sacks, but he was playing with poise and confidence and showed off that arm a little bit, jamming some throws and some tight windows. It was a lighter day for Teddy Bridgewater, so mostly Tua and Skylar, and they both played well. 
Uh, back to the wideouts, Ezukama made some plays. Trent Sherfield had some big-time catches, especially in traffic. Mike Gesicki had a big day. His ability to go up the ladder in the end zone really showed its value. There was a throw where Tua had some pressure in, in mid-red zone, but the 10-yard line, he steps up and fires one high over the top of all the coverage, and you just see 88 extend up above everybody and take that thing off the crossbar for a touchdown. Chase Edmonds is a guy that I don't think any linebacker wants any part of in coverage. We, I mean, he got Levante David yesterday. We know what this offense does to create space. There's just so much to think about. Then you have that you know delayed route that Chase can scan, protect, chip, and then get into his route. And because of that, that late release with all the space created by Waddle and Hill and Cedric and Mike running guys off, you put Cedric or Chase Edmonds in that position to run that Texas route, that arrow route, the option route over the middle. He's going to eat up yards on that. We saw it happen again today. Onto the offensive line, you always, always, always notice Teron Armstead's impact. He was fantastic again today. He praised a couple of teammates as well. More on that in just a moment. But I continue to be impressed by him, but also by the work that Austin Jackson and Rob Hunt and the work they're getting done out there. Austin's strength, I think, is really popping this camp because I'm seeing these reps where he latches on and the guy that he faces, whether it's you know Joe Tryon, Shoyunka, uh, Shaq Barrett, etc., etc., they try to play through him with power, and you see him absorb that contact even when the hand slides up into the face mask area, which is illegal hands. There was a rep today where he was just his head was straight back, but he anchored and kept his feet moving. He's moving the feet through contact, which is something his tape didn't always show, and he looks really good. He's anchoring. He's holding that point with good finish. He looks dang good, man. And I can't remember a pressure coming from Rob Hunt the last couple of days either at that right guard position. He's steady as we kind of came to expect last season. I really appreciate the temperament that Connor Williams plays with. He's chippy. He plays to the echo of the whistle. And I found it fitting that on the same practice field where Ryan Jensen does his work, you know, one of those guys known for being kind of a annoying to play against, that he's getting similar type of reaction you'll see him finish a rep and guys like hey yeah I didn't like that and Connor's like well tough you know tough titties I'm I'm making it happen finally I thought Liam Eichenberg had a good day and continued a good camp Teron Armstead talked a little bit about working with Liam and how excited he is about what he sees in Liam his technique and all that good stuff and I thought Rob Jones had some good work I thought Larnell Coleman looked the part in pass pro last note here on the offense I forgot again Tanner Connor made some plays he is such an interesting player, uh, receiver, convert to tight end. You really see that speed that stands out at the tight end position with Tanner Connor. He had a couple of big plays in this practice. On to the defense. The Bucks' run game got it cranking a bit. Gio Bernard has a super, super impressive 30-yard touchdown run where just shifty as hell. Kind of reminded me of that touchdown run he had back in 2013, I think it was, on Halloween when he was with the Bengals, reversed field and scored from like 50, 50 yards out on us in that Halloween game. Shout out Cam Wake, walk-off safety. But despite some of those, the defense had their fair share of rundown wins. I saw Christian and Raekwon stack a couple up. I saw Ben Still do the exact same thing, the Nebraska UDFA. John Jenkins had one that I saw. I saw Landon Roberts pull the trigger and fly down the A-gap and shut one down. Saw Emmanuel Ogba really dent the edge on one rep and just wipe out the edge and chuck the back backwards. He is so very strong. I thought Duke Riley was really good again today. He's having a hell of a camp. He ran a coverage route to the back of the end zone and really pinned his man on the end line to where 
Even though he caught the football, he was way out of bounds. And then in the secondary, Trill Williams just looks the part. He, he, is, he stands out with the body build and the size. In the one-on-ones, he squeezes the perimeter and gives the quarterback like no passing window. You want that route as a receiver to stay on that red line you see on the practice field? He was up against the hash marks on the sideline. That's a good job pressing to the sideline. He also got that pick we posted on our social media account, so ball skills still showing up. X had some damn good coverage reps where he ran the routes for guys, including a nice pass breakup on Jalen Darden. Noah Igbenogany did the exact same thing on one rep after that, where he kept his eyes on the quarterback, didn't lose track of his man, and then took away the window at the last second. Good PBU from him. And then Keon Crossan got his hands on two more footballs today, including a near pick on a tipped pass from Javon Holland, who had an INT of his own, and that tipped pass and he showed the range flying all over the place against the run and the pass. He was he was coming down looking for contact today, and I wanted to ask him about that after practice. We'll get to that here in just a second. But uh, he was close to some big shots. If it was live, he would have had a few more big hits for that highlight reel that we've seen. I came away extremely impressed this entire week. It's been 12 days of camp, and the operation has just been super smooth. Like, there's not a lot from a procedural standpoint. There's not a lot from a drop balls or you know, what have you. There were some penalties today and Tyreek mentioned some of that they can clean up, but talking about how there are mistakes that are all very correctable. So fun week game coming on Saturday. But before we cross that bridge, we had some awesome media today with Cheetah, Tehran, Javon, and Austin. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go ahead and finish the week here in Tampa Bay with some media availabilities of some Dolphins players. Had four guys today, Teron Armstead, Tyreek Hill, Javon Holland, and Austin Jackson. Let's go ahead and start here with Teron Armstead, who talked a little bit about getting the most work he's had so far, according to the question, in 11-on-11 work. How did he feel? How's he feel he's doing? Here's the Dolphins' big left tackle. Felt good, man. Felt good. Uh, still knocking rust off, trying to get in the groove, get uh, landmarks, technique, hand placement, all those things. You know, just trying to check boxes, get that work in. I wanted to play that very short soundbite because I just thought that there was knowledge in there that you can tell is impacting the rest of this Dolphins offensive line, not just with the coaching they have, but the mentorship and leadership of a guy like Teron Armstead talking about hand placement techniques, landmark, getting in the groove. He just, he knows what it takes. And I think you've seen that rub off on the rest of the guys. And speaking of the rest of the guys, he was asked about how he feels the offensive line group did over the two days. We'll get to that answer in just one second, but he also touched on how he feels about this team in general 
and he says they have a chance to be special, and he really believes that, and I, I'm inclined to believe Teron Armstead, a guy that's been a part of a lot of teams that have made deep runs into the postseason and potential championship runs, but he did make sure to mention that there's lots of work to be done before that happens, which of course is the case, but you love having that mindset to understand your potential, but also understand the work required to get to that potential. Let's go back now to the question about how the O-line performed so far, or I should say through two days of practice against the Buccaneers. Did a lot of really good things, a lot of impressive work. Uh, so had a damn good D-line over there too, you know, championship caliber D-line. So it was great to get those looks, um, styles of play that was different. Uh, we did a lot of really good things, improved in communication. I uh, was really excited about that. Um, Technique-wise, I've seen a lot of guys implement some things that they were struggling with earlier in camp. I think Austin Jackson had a great two days. Um, Rob, Rob Hunt too, those guys. We're all just trying to trying to get better, you know, our wins and losses, and then uh, minimize those wins as we as we keep keep progressing. So overall, you think these minimize those losses yeah. as we keep progressing. It's 18th and was a 35th pick in the 2020 draft. You get both those guys working on that right side of the offensive line. Could be a very nice draft there once again here for Chris Greer. He was asked, Teron was, about the value of these joint practices. Let's go back to the Dolphins' left tackle. You just got to understand uh, the goal of what you're trying to do. You're trying to see where you where you match up, where your areas of improvement or your areas of, of strength. Um, we're not scheming, so we're not going game plan, game plan. So a lot of these plays wouldn't be great against that Tampa defense. A lot of the things they do wouldn't be great against that Miami offense, but... Uh, we're out here going what we do versus what you do, you know. So in a, in a real game week setting, it'll be a, a lot of stuff we saw today you wouldn't, you wouldn't even see in a game plan. I wanted to ask Teron about the theme that your boy's been kind of trying to establish these two days about what Coach talked about coming out early, getting the guys to spend some time together, Tua talking about going to dinner with the guys. Here's Teron Armstead on the value of spending that time together, uh, you know, and, and playing for one another. Here's Teron Armstead. Nothing more important than that, you know. Uh, you always got to be working for we working for each other. You know, our job, we protecting two. We're opening lanes for Chase, Raheem, Miles, Sony, everybody, you know. So I'm working with Liam hand in hand, literally, you know. So um, what I do affect him. Today we had a play on a – they ran a, a stunt, and I set out too wide and got picked. And the guy looped around would have been a hit or a sack on two. That was 100% on me. Um, it looks like Liam, but that was 100% on me. So – um, those things, you know, we're working together. We're working together. So I got to be better and more conscious not to get away from that protection, knowing it's just me and him versus those two. And a follow-up on the value of building relationships with your teammates. For sure, for sure, man. Uh, any, any relationship, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but buddies, whatever, you got to spend time. You know, that, that quality time and just getting a chance to know each other, bonding, it's important. So you get the impact on the field with him, off the field as well to another guy who has the exact same type of makeup on field and off the field impact. And Tyreek was asked about the conversation between McDaniel and the reporter this morning about Xavier Howard and how, you know, Tyreek kind of makes it a point to check on X and kind of have a, a leadership meeting with him and really kind of divulge, you know, about how they're feeling that day, how they want to attack. And he told a story about how X was a little bit upset about a pass he gave up to Julio Jones on Wednesday and that Tyreek said, you know, the mentality he had was I'm going to come back today and, and, you know, make sure it doesn't happen again. And, you know, for a guy that's been to all pro teams and, and, you know, made a bunch of plays in the football and has all the stats to really take it upon himself on a, a practice and training camp. We're talking about practice to want to go out there and compete. That's the type of spirit and mentality you have to have to be great in this league. That's what X has. That's what Tyreek has. That's what Tehran has. So I thought that was really cool to hear. Let's go ahead and go now to 
some more of that type of conversation when Tyreek was asked about McDaniel saying that Tyreek's attitude has helped the team or helped the coach rather set the standard for how accountability goes in the locker room. Here's Tyreek talking about just that. Well, me being me, dog, I want to be the guy that's always pointed out, dog, because I feel like I love a challenge no matter what, man. Like, so if I do bad on something, if I, you know, mess up a play or something like that, I want to be that guy that coach call out on film. You know what I'm saying? Because if you think about it like this, if coach calling out like the fifth, sixth receiver who barely getting reps, like he going to feel some type of way. But it, but it, but if he's able to call me out and then call that guy out again, that guy going to be like, okay, he calling out Reek. So, you know, like, I need to I need to pick up my 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 ears, so you know man I'm I, I don't mind like I don't mind I've been I've been picked on my whole I've been picked on talked about you know so that it really don't bother me dog Next we got to ask Cheetah about how he feels about Tua playing here he is He's obviously you know Tua you know Tua's going to be Tua he's going to come out here he's going to give you the same thing every day consistency um he's going to work hard and um you know he's um he's He's bringing a little bit more swag to the game, you know, and he's talking more, you know. But if he don't play in the preseason, you know, like I say, man, that's above my pray grade. Probably not, but um, <laughs> I messed that up, didn't I? Uh, okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, if he doesn't play, he doesn't play. That's, coach, that's coach's decision. And how would you describe to a swag, Tyreek? All right, man, just like when, it, like when he throws a touchdown – like, I don't know if y'all can see it. When he's walking to the sideline, he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, bro, okay, Tua, I see you, I see you, I see you. And that's, and I, I didn't see much of that in OTAs because I barely knew him, you know what I'm saying? But now I'm seeing him slang the ball around, you know, even, you know, like I say, when I mess up a play or when I don't get open, he'll come up to me like, 10, I need you to get open right there. And I'm not, I'm like, I ain't Tua, like, chill, bro, like. Let's keep that theme going about playing for one another. Here's Tyreek Hill on playing for each other and what it looks like at the receiver position for Tyreek Hill. I mean, offensively, you know, I feel like um, for a wide out, playing, playing for each other is being smart, you know, um, not getting stupid penalties. And, you know, let's say, for instance, Raheem gets the ball, you know, all receivers are blocking downfield, you know, getting on the right assi- assignment. So not, not, not just being stupid, getting stupid penalties. Let's go to Javon Holland now, and I asked him about the challenge of playing at the speed that he plays and with the aggressiveness in a tag-off practice and how you calibrate that. Here's Javon on just that. Um, it's difficult as a defender, but as a professional, you know, I have to carry myself a certain way, so it's not that hard to, to understand that. I'm trying to keep them up. They're trying to keep us up. Uh, we're trying to practice hard, but everybody stay healthy. And the value of these practices, regardless of no physical contact. Uh, yeah, because it's 100%, 100% speed until the point of contact. You know, and then you just keep them up. You don't have to really take them to the, to the ground. Um, you know, it, guys do fall to the ground, and that's just part of the game, you know, angles and whatnot. But uh, it's always good to, you know, have that type of good work. If you guys have not seen it yet, go check out the YouTube channel, the Miami Dolphins YouTube channel with the Javon Holland and his father, the feature we did on those guys. We traveled out to the North or to California and, and uh, or was it the Northwest? And, you know, met with Javon Holland and talked to him and his dad and his family. A really good episode on YouTube. Here he is talking about how his dad impacts him and benefits him today as a football player, as a coach that really brought him up and raised him to be a football player. Uh, I think he's just like a safety net for me, like as a reliable source if I have a question about anything. Um, you know, I kind of go through the line of people that are close to me or um, that are, I, ha- I have access to, like, you know, coaches, players. And then if no one has the answer, then I'll just go ask my dad because I know that, you know, he has some sort of 
type of answer. So, um, no, it's great, honestly. I mean, he's always ready to coach me. He just kind of steps back and, like, when you need me, I'm here, but I'm not going to, like, you know, hound you or anything like that. Let's finish up on the offensive line with Austin Jackson, who was asked about the comments Teron Armstead made about him and Rob Hunt having good days of practice. How does that feel to hear the veterans say such kind words about your game, Austin? Here you go. Oh, it's, you know, that's that's great. You know, it's just reflective of who Teron is as a person. You know, I feel like ever since he's been here, you know, I met him the day he got into the facility. You know, I sat down with him and we talked about, you know, what we want from the upcoming year, told him where I was mentally, what I was looking for. And, you know, obviously a guy like that, you know, with his experience, you know, that's I took everything he said uh, to heart, you know. So it's good to hear that, you know, we're working every day. And what do you feel good about from those practices the last two days? Here's Austin Jackson. Um, I think I was able to transition the intensity and my execution over the course of two days. You know, I started, had a great day. I had a good first day, um, finished off with a great second day. Um, you know, that's kind of like the, that's what I want to maintain. That's what I will maintain. You know, I want to progress every game, every practice, you know, see where that takes me. And we'll finish up here as Austin mentioned that he feels as confident as he has ever been as a football player. So I asked him, was there a moment where it kind of clicked for you? Was it a collection of things? Was there one thing that stood out to you about, you know, maybe not being as confident as confident as you are now, if that makes sense. Here's Austin Jackson talking about his confidence and where it comes from. Uh, nothing specifically, no. Moving positions during the season is hard. Um, it makes you question things a little bit more. Obviously, I had to pick it up because at the end of the day, I had the job to do every Sunday. You know, but um, I think definitely with my work ethic this off season and the work ethic that our coaches preach to us in OTAs, I think that's been able to help increase my uh, confidence more than anything. Um, just having a more deliberate work ethic. That is it, and that is all. The next time you hear from me will be on the post-game show after the game on Saturday night on 560 WQAM, the Odyssey app, I believe, as well. You can find us there, me, Seth, and OJ, breaking down everything from Dolphins preseason action week one here in Tampa Bay. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. We'll also have a podcast after that, by the way. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Getting real close to 40K. I want to hit that before week one. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. They have Kevin Carter coming up next week. Rob Conrad in the tank last week. Our Twitter Spaces show was popping on Wednesday night. Tons of great information in there. Go back and check it out if you have not heard that. And join us every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Check out the team YouTube channel for the media availabilities and Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com for the written camp notebook up live right now. Fins up, Caroline. Daddy is coming home.